The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. Dennis Johnson. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. As we consider our meditation this semester on the I Am statements of Jesus in John's Gospel, we come to John chapter 10, where there are actually two, but we're going to consider them together. I am the good shepherd, and I am the door or the gate of the sheep. So let's hear God's word from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father." Let's ask God to write his word onto our hearts. Father, what a powerful picture you've given us here of the care of your beloved son, our Lord Jesus, our good shepherd. Father, in the preaching of his word, we hear his voice even to this day. And as his sheep, we respond, we know that Jesus speaks truth and grace to us, that he laid down his life to spare our lives, that he's taken it up again and that he ever lives to intercede for us in heaven and through his servants, 
to speak to his sheep and call his sheep, even from other folds, into his fold. So, Father, in these few moments of meditation, give us the ears of sheep to hear our shepherd's voice, please. We pray in his name. Amen. When Jesus comes into this discussion of himself as the good shepherd in contrast to the hirelings and in contrast to the thieves and robbers who've come before, in the context of just having healed a man who had been blind and then could see and then understood who Jesus was and believed him and worshipped him, and the contrast to the leaders who first interrogated this man's parents and then interrogated him and then excluded him, excommunicated him, loving shepherds. Through that sheep, out of the sheepfold. And that's the context in which we come into this text of Jesus. Those leaders of Israel who repudiated Jesus and excommunicated, really, anybody who trusted in Jesus, were the first century fulfillment of the derelict shepherds that God indicted through the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 34. God said that the shepherds of Israel were exploiting his sheep, were abusing his sheep, were neglecting his sheep, were failing to protect them, to look for them when they got lost, to bring them home, to regather them, to bandage their wounds, to make sure that they had healthy, nourishing forage. So God said, I'm going to fire them all, I'm going to come and do the job myself. I will come and find and gather my sheep and bring them home and bandage them and, and yes, discipline them too. They need discipline as well. Um, God would come in person. Member abuse by religious leaders is not just a 21st century phenomenon. It's a 6th century BC phenomenon, and as we see here, it's a 1st century AD phenomenon. Leaders, people in power, people of influence who prey on or exploit or ignore the little people who are like sheep, vulnerable, hapless, in the custody of heartless herders. But there is one shepherd who can be trusted to wield authority. There is one who so loves and owns the sheep that he's willing to lay down his life for the sheep, and that's the one who's speaking to us here. Now, there's a lot that we could learn about pastoral ministry from looking at the bad example of the derelict uh, and wicked shepherds in Ezekiel 34, and looking at the great example of Jesus, and that's a legitimate thing to do. Actually, we do that in some practical theology courses, and Jesus gives us warrant for that because by the end of this gospel, he, the good shepherd, is going to say to Peter, Shepherd my sheep, tend my lambs, feed them. And Peter will say later in the New Testament to elders, tend to the flock of God, knowing that you're accountable to the chief shepherd. So that's all true. But here the focus is not on us and our responsibility as shepherds or shepherds in the making. The, the whole focus is on Jesus, on who he is, and his very personal, particular costly and expansive care for his sheep. Personal, costly, 
expansive. Think about those just very briefly. We only have a few minutes. Personal. The good shepherd knows his sheep, so he calls them by name, and they know him, and they trust him, and they follow. You see that in verses 1 through 5, and then again in 14 and 15. I know my sheep, they know me. Lots of people know your name who don't know you at all. You probably get in the mail like I do, those mailings from Publishers Clearinghouse that promise that Dennis E. Johnson has probably won the lottery. Dennis E. Johnson, Dennis E. Johnson, yeah, right. They don't know me. Some computer found that and stuck that in there. They don't know me. Or you get a phone call at dinner. It's always at dinner, right? Hey, Dennis. And your guard goes up. What are they selling? They're calling me by my first name, but I don't recognize this voice. Is it uh, solar panels, maybe, or a timeshare in some vacation spot? They know my name, but they don't know me. Jesus is very different. He knows his sheep by name, and he calls them by name. He's not like that, and we know his voice. Early 20th century, uh, uh, a student of the word uh, by the name of H.V. Morton wrote a, a little book called In the Steps of the Master, kind of an old book, but he described an experience he had at one point when he was in the fields outside of Bethlehem, actually. Uh, He saw an extraordinary sight. He said, I saw two shepherds who had spent the night with their flocks in an enclosure. That's probably what Jesus is picturing here. Not quite a corral, but some sort of fences with maybe uh, thorny bushes surrounding to keep the sheep in and the predators out. So they kept their flock together in this enclosure in the open area. The sheep were all mixed together in these two flocks. And the time had come for the shepherds to go their separate ways. One of the shepherds stood at a distance from the sheep and began to call. And first one and then another and then four or five animals ran towards him and so on until he counted out his flock and they were separated from the other flock. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. I call them by name. And I call them by name. I know my sheep. I call them by name. Isn't that amazing? He calls you by name? Not just that you recognize his voice and he calls the whole group. He calls you by name. Jesus' sheep don't have to be driven toward him by sheepdogs nipping at their heels. They're drawn to him by the sound of his voice. Now, you know that Christians have sometimes been known to argue over ideas like unconditional election and irresistible grace or effectual calling. Unconditional election, that insults our sense of virtue. Irresistible grace, that insults our sense of independence. But notice how Jesus puts it here, and it's such good news. The Father has given his sheep to Jesus. We belong to him. He knows us by name. He calls us, and his voice draws us to trust. Jesus is not some faceless telemarketer pretending to be your long-lost friend. He knows you. He calls you by name. What a shepherd. But he doesn't just call. He pays the cost. The good shepherd protects his sheep at the cost of his own life. Unlike the hired hand who really doesn't own the sheep and doesn't care about the sheep and is more than willing to save his skin and let the sheep be ravaged by the wolves. Unlike thieves or predators who really want to exploit and destroy the sheep. No, Jesus loved you so strongly. 
He fought so fiercely for you that he laid down his life for you. He laid down his life for you. And here's where the reality of the ultimately good shepherd sort of breaks the bounds of the metaphor that he's using. Because obviously if a merely human shepherd had laid down his life for merely sheepish sheep, the flock would be in a worse case afterwards, right? Nobody to protect the sheep now that he's laid down his life. If he became the victim of the lion's claw or the, or the uh, sheep rustler's dagger, nobody to protect him. Shepherds who love their sheep are willing to risk their lives, like David did, to protect his father's sheep when he went up against a lion and a bear and grabbed the lion by his beard and killed him. Wow. But there's a certain sense of self-interest that keeps the shepherd from laying down his life for the sheep for their sake as well as for his own. But here's, you see, where the reality breaks the mold of the, of the analogy. Jesus laid down his life for us. That's not the last word. Hold on to that. But he laid down his life for us. Literally, completely. He protects us from a worse enemy than a lion or a bear or a wolf or a coyote or a robber or a thief. Our enemy is the Satan, the opponent, the enemy, the accuser, the father of lies, the lover of death, who lied and lured us into rebellion against our good shepherd and then turned around and accused us of treason and demanded our just punishment. And he had a strong case against us. We deserve that. But Jesus, our good shepherd, came, as we heard in the first chapter of John's gospel, as the Lamb of God, to lay down his life for the sheep, to bear the judgment that we deserve. He protects us, so he takes the violent destruction that we have coming to us, and in so doing, he silences the accuser's charges, and he takes up his life again. He takes up his life again. I have authority, Jesus says, to take up my life again. He comes to life again. The third day he is raised from the dead. And because Jesus always lives, having died, he always lives to protect us. We are really safe. If we were to read on into this, I am the good shepherd discourse, probably should have, but we, time was such a, so limited. We would come to verses 27 through 30 where Jesus again says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will take them, will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who is greater than all, is greater, and no one will, who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one will snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Well, at that point, people are shocked that he's claiming to be God. Didn't they notice in the first 20, 30 verses that he was claiming to be God? I'm the good shepherd promised in Ezekiel 34. I'm coming, but finally they get it, and they're ready to execute him for blasphemy. But he's right. He is the one who is the shepherd of the sheep, who takes up his life again and from whose hand no one can snatch us. No one can snatch us. So now we've had, let's see, in the five points that we get from Dort, we've had two and four. This is five, right? The 
preservation of the saints, which leads to the perseverance of the saints. No one can snatch us out of the Father's hand. Uh, this whole chapter, you can find all five here. There's total depravity. Plenty of that there, too, in us. But here it is. This is the more popular one of the five points. To be always saved is a good thing. And Jesus has secured that by his death and his resurrection. But did you notice, Jesus says, I died for my sheep. And in fact, just before he says, I give my sheep eternal life, they will never perish, no one can snatch them out of my hand. Jesus says to those that are listening, you don't believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So some standing there were not Jesus' sheep, not the people for whom Jesus died. So now we get right to the center point of the five points, right? Limited atonement or particular redemption. Limited in terms of whom Jesus died for. Unlimited in terms of what he accomplished for them. Boundless, he didn't just shed some blood to make it possible for them to be saved. He shed his blood to secure that they would be saved, redeemed, delivered from the evil one. Unlimited, but personal, particular, specific. A lot of people who will go with four points really hesitate on that middle point. It's, it makes God sound so stingy, limited. Only for some people? Well, again, the effect is absolutely unlimited for those whom God has loved, loved and, and given to his son, the sheep. But there's something else, too. There's this point that there is an expansiveness to that flock, particular sheep, whom Jesus knows by name, for whom he shed his blood, for whom he rose from the dead, who we will protect, there's also an expansiveness to it. And that's what we see when Jesus as the door or the gate says, anyone who comes in through me comes in and finds life. And then he says, I have other sheep which don't belong to this sheepfold and I will gather them in too. Other sheep. And there will be one flock, one shepherd. Now, by that point, pretty much everybody, I think, would have recognized the backdrop is Ezekiel 34. God firing all the wrong kind of shepherds. One flock, one shepherd. Because God says, when he comes to do for his sheep what they need to have done, to be regathered, to regather them, to heal them, to feed them, I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them and feed them uh, and, and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. And then a few chapters later in Ezekiel, the Lord says, I will make them one nation, no longer two, but one. One king shall be over them. My servant David will be king over them, and they will have one shepherd. Now, Ezekiel does say no longer two, but one, which gives us the clue that at least immediately what's in view is the reunion of the northern kingdom Israel, long gone, scattered among the nations, 
and the southern kingdom, Judah, whose exiles Ezekiel is now serving. That's true, but Jesus has something much bigger in view than simply the reunion of northern tribes and southern tribes. He is gathering people from outside all of Israel's sheepfold altogether, people from all the nations. A couple chapters later, John is going to give us a little window. We don't know quite how, other than the inspiration of the Spirit, he knows about the private discussion among the Jewish high council when the high priest Caiaphas arguing that it was pragmatic that they get rid of Jesus because after all, one man should die for the sake of the people better than having the whole nation destroyed by Rome. Well, Caiaphas inadvertently prophesied the death of Jesus. But then, John, under the inspiration of the Spirit, can't stop there. He says, actually, it's not just for the nation. It's for all the scattered children of God throughout the world. It's for people like us who don't, at least for me, don't have one single drop of Abrahamic blood in my system. If I went to Ancestry.com, I would, I would get zero in terms of relation to the patriarchs. But I'm a son of Abraham. I'm the scattered children of God. I'm that other flock, and so are, I suspect, most of you gathered in, there's an expansiveness to the very personal, costly, but also expansive grace of our good shepherd. It includes you and me, and includes people who have not yet heard the shepherd's voice, hence the, the advance of the gospel, who have not yet heard him call their name in their heart language. There's still translations to be done. There's still peoples to be preached to throughout the world. This is the expansive reach of the shepherd's voice to reach all the sheep whose names he knows, all the sheep for whom he has laid down his life, first speaking his own gracious, life-giving call into our hearts, and then issuing his call through our mouths and our lives to other sheep whom he most certainly will gather into one flock with one shepherd. Let's pray. Father, what a wonderful shepherd you have given to us, who knows us so personally, who calls us so effectively, who will lay down his life for us to secure eternal life that we might never perish, to secure our safety in his hand, and in your hand, Father, no one can snatch us out of that hand. And to gather us in from the far-flung reaches of the world and the far-flung peoples of the human race. Father, thank you for this wonderful Good Shepherd. Give us open ears, tender and responsive hearts to follow his voice as he leads us. We pray in his name. Amen. Copyright 2018, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.